This podcast is brought to you by West Australia's Department of Primary Industries and Regional Development. Hello and welcome to our series focusing on areas of Broadacre Grains research. These short podcasts aim to assist grain growers by delving deeper into our research projects that target crop protection, crop production, soils and genetics in Broadacre crops. My name is Alice Butler and I am a research scientist working in soils with DPIRD based in Perth. Today I'm speaking with Chris Gazy, who leads up the Soil Science and Crop Nutrition branch within Deepherd. Hi Chris, how are you going? G'day Alice. Can you briefly describe to me your background and your current role? Okay, well I'm one of the more senior research scientists. I've got nearly 40 years experience working in soils one way or another. Um, been with the uh, Deepherd and previously Department of Agriculture for almost 30 years now predominantly working in um, soil-related constraints, mainly soil acidity, and I now um, look after the portfolio of soil science and crop nutrition and a range of projects co-funded with GRDC. So you manage a team of 35 staff. Can you provide a snapshot of where the soils team is currently focusing their research and maybe with a little bit of background as to how you got to that point? For a long time the work that the soil scientists and crop nutrition people were doing was looking at um, problems um, that were associated with our ancient and highly weathered soils so mainly crop nutrition then i guess more recently over the last 20 to 30 years we've been focused on maximizing productivity across the grain belt in what's been a largely no-till farming system and as with most things, if you keep doing, although this was a very good practice, um, if you keep doing the same thing, then it generates its own own problems and things that we have to deal with. And one of the things that we've noticed is that we get um, various soil constraints associated with stratification of nutrients. Uh, we get compaction building up, other constraints like soil acidification because we've improved our productivity and then as everyone else will be aware on our sandy soils we get water repellents in the topsoil as well and so today the soils team you've got some really cool re-engineering projects and and things like that what's the main focus the main focus right now is looking at how can we address um, how can we apply what we've learned on these individual constraints on on particular soil types how can we apply those techniques and those those learnings to address multiple constraints and not only where they occur uh, together mainly on sandy soils but we're also taking these practices and the research onto more challenging soils duplex soils um, texture contrast soils um, heavy sodic soils the aim there is to improve the soil, the soil profile, down to a depth of 80 centimetres. And in some cases, we're actually re-engineering those profiles um, to make them so that they can accept the water that rains that falls on them. Um, it can store the water and the nutrients. And then as the crops uh, need those moisture and nutrients, particularly towards the end of the season, the soil and the soil profile is able to give that back to the crop. So we're maximising the productivity, the water use efficiency and nutrient use efficiency as well. Um, so some of those multiple constraints you're talking about is like compaction and soil acidity and non-wetting. Um, 
and you're starting to talk more about doing strategic soil renovation. Can you describe what you mean by this? So as a strategic renovation is where we combine things like spading to mix topsoil, water repellent topsoil into the, uh, into the subsoil, so we're diluting that effect. We also have the advantage of doing this, but it mixes lime that's been spread on the surface, mixing that through the profile. And depending on the implements you use, we can be removing compaction at the same time. What we found is if we treat as many of the constraints as possible that are present in the soil, we maximise the benefits from treating each of the individual constraints. So we can mix soil, um, water repellent topsoil through the, uh, through the profile and diluting that effect. That also has the advantage of mixing lime and depending on which implements we use, we can also remove compaction at the same time. So we're maximising root depth. You've spent a large portion of your time working in the soil acidity space. Uh, between 2004 and 2006, you did extensive sampling uh, over the state to understand the level of acidity in the WA wheat belt. You then went back and revisited those sites again in 2010 and 2012. Uh, what were some learnings from this work? Well, we, just to go back one step, we'd, we'd done a lot of research on what the solutions were and what we needed to do to manage soil acidity. But what was missing was a real up-to-date measure of the extent and the severity of the soil pH. So we um, were lucky enough to get a series of projects that enabled us to partner with a commercial soil sampling company. This way we were able to share the cost with the farmers and with the projects and look at soil pH down the profile to 30 centimetres in increments. And what we found is that the extent and the severity of um, soil acidity was actually worse than we had um, previously measured. We saw that about 75% of the topsoil samples were below our minimum target of pH 5.5 and deeper in the subsurface below 10 centimetres, about 50% of the samples were below the pH of 4.8 that we wanted people to definitely keep their subsoils above. Um, what we did also find when we compared those two sets of years of data from 2004 to 2006 with the ones about five or six years later from 2010 to 2012, we found that we could see some impact or starting to happen in terms of changing the topsoil pH in particular um, when this was more prevalent in the northern and central um, wheat belt than it was in the southern uh, that probably related to the cost of ameliorating the lime, uh, of using lime to ameliorate the soil pH, um, cheaper where it comes from the coast and doesn't have to be transported as far, and also the quality is generally better further north of Perth um, we go. So all of those things combined were leading us to see that we were actually having some impact. Um, but we certainly needed to do more work in the south coast and southern areas. The Department of Water and Environmental Regulation has provided funding for another round of soil sampling in the Avon River Basin in the central wheat belt. Um, what do you expect to find this time and how big of an issue do you think soil acidity still is today? That's a good question. I think it's just, it will still rate as a significant problem um, from the the numbers that we've seen but doing a proper study where we can actually measure 
what the current pH is, and we're hoping to be able to divide between people that were associated with some of those earlier projects. So see what happened, how much have they been able to change things where they got that previous information and measurements of what their soil pH was, compared to perhaps people that weren't involved in the in those early studies. Um, I think we'll see an effect of the uh, the line that has been applied. Um, and it'll be very interesting to see if we can pick up an effect of the change in the soil pH profile um, where some of these other soil amelioration practices have actually happened, where the soil, where the lime has been mixed through the soil. We know and we've got good evidence now that it still only moves very slowly from the surface. Uh, and another thing you've been a part of is iLime. Um, and iLime is a great tool to compare liming strategies and products. You've recently released, uh, recently there's a tutorial that's been released to help growers and industry make use of the app. What gap were you trying to fill by creating the iLime app? I think it's the, the information that we're trying to get across is the long-term changes in farming practices. So when you, when you apply lime, you're actually changing that soil and providing that soil with an additional capability to be productive. Um, much of the time we are looking for responses um, to our treatments or to changing in farming, farming practices and things. When we see a response to Lyme, we're actually identifying that there's been a loss incurred as a result of soil acidification of low soil pH. The iLime app works over a 20 year period where you can put in your, um, your initialization factors, what rotation you've got, uh, you can put in your expected yields, you put in your soil types and pHs, and then from there, it'll project what's going to happen. Um, it's that long-term projection and the ability to see where, how the benefits are going to accrue over a long period of time that the iLime app enables you to explore. Um, and just a couple of uh, lighter questions to finish off. Um, what's something that you're curious about right now in the soil space? I think even though it's towards the end of my career, um, I am heartened to see the prominence that soil is getting, the recognition. It's not only in Western Australia, it's nationally and internationally. Um, soil has been recognised and I'm curious to see how all of these pieces of the jigsaw fit together. So we've got regenerative agriculture, we've got carbon farming, and we've got good conventional no-till farming, which we've been practising in WA. I think when you look across all of those, um, our aim should be to take the best bits out of each of these different approaches. The other interesting thing to note is that when you look at the different farming practices, if you exclude the, the real extremes, then there's about 80% or more of those practices are common um, across, across the board. And it's taking the best out of each one um, that we should be aiming to do. And last question, if you had an extra couple of million dollars in your budget, how would you spend it? If I had an extra $2 million, um, I think we have to recognise it probably doesn't go that far, but what we need to do and what's very important is to be supporting our people, our staff, um, looking for succession plans. I mean, I'm not getting any younger and several of the other people in our area of work are also there, so we do need to support the the younger people um, coming up and make the work exciting and 
challenging for them. Um, the other area I think we probably need to recognise more is the value of long-term trials. Um, when we're talking about soil and the changes that happen with rotation and some of the amelioration things that we're doing, we really have to have a, a vision of the next 5, 10, even 20 years' time and having that vision to, to keep those long-term trials available or uh, accessible, knowing what's happening across them, uh, I think is really important. Thanks for your time today, Chris. Um, yeah, you're doing some great work in the soil space. And thanks for listening. Yep, thanks, Alice.